Welcome to the SBI Podcast, offering CEOs, sales and marketing leaders ideas to make the number. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Greg Alexander, co-founder and CEO of SBI, a sales and marketing consultancy dedicated to helping you make your number. This is the SBI Weekly Podcast Show, and today I've got a great guest. Let me introduce him to you. Mike Ellis is the CEO and president of ForgeRock, a private San Francisco-based software company, which is the fastest-growing provider of identity relationship management solutions in the world. The company helps its customers build secure customer relationships across any app, device, or thing. They were founded in 2010 and is backed by a who's who in venture capital with firms such as Meritech Capital, Foundation Capital, and a few others. Prior to this role, Mike spent almost 30 years inside of technology companies and management consulting firms at stops at companies such as Apple, Oracle, i2, and SAP. And he also received his education from the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. All right, let's dive into the conversation. So today's topic, since we have a CEO on the show, will be how the CEO can drive the execution of the company's strategy through the functional leadership team. So this is a meaty conversation. Let me try to unpack this a little bit. Let's provide the audience some context. So Mike, could you briefly describe... Uh, Forge Rock's strategy, maybe by starting with what markets you compete in? Sure. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, so Forge Rock is, uh, at a core, is focused from a, uh, uh, a market perspective at selling into large enterprise, middle enterprise, and government worldwide. Um, we are unusual because our footprint is only a, a five-year-old company in high-tech software um, we have a broad uh, penetration in international markets and Americas, uh, so very unique. And in fact, we we do about fifty percent of our revenues outside of uh, the Americas, and so uh, very unique view. And, and it's mainly focused at the large enterprise, uh, some mid enterprise, and, and government, um, and, and you know, core to those territories. But also, um, importantly, non vertical or industry specific. So okay. the, Solutions that we bring to bear in the market uh, drive value across industry segments, um, and consequently, uh, you know, make the make the conversation a, a very high value dialogue at the at the high levels of the organization. Okay, and for the audience's benefit, what is the value proposition? What what problem do you solve for the customer? Yeah, so um, broadly speaking, um, we are uh, a company that provides high-value software solutions in the identity uh, and identity management area. Now, interestingly, in, in the past, historically, identity management has really been focused on, you know, behind the perimeter, behind the firewall, employee security for large companies. We actually uh, can solve that problem, but more importantly, we drive a much more high-value conversation around the, the whole phraseology of digital transformation. So we're really helping large enterprise and government with their external-facing identity uh, problems and value opportunities by providing a uh, high-value identity platform for 
not only people, you know, made, made up of most corporations' most valuable asset, which is their customers, uh, but also their communities, their suppliers, and their employees. And also, more importantly, or not more importantly, but equally important, uh, Internet of Things. So we do a lot of work with uh, identity as a um, technology enabler at the device, the machine, um, as well as the cloud level in terms of deployment. So, you know, long story short, we drive a very high-value proposition to the CIO, CTO, and frankly, CMO, CEO dialogue around helping them provide a much more enriched dialogue and transaction that's also highly secure with uh, their most important asset, their customers. Okay, very good. You know, and if I got a little academic on you here and forced you into choosing one of the following three choices from a strategy perspective, would you define yourself as a company that competes on product differentiation, a company competes on being the low-cost provider, or a company that competes on, you know, having a deep customer relationship? Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great question. So, um, if I were to prioritize one of those three, it would be on the solution um, solution differentiation. So we are an open source platform. We're very unique in that we're the only open source platform for identity uh, in the world, and um, in the breadth of our solution is extraordinary uh, from the standpoint of capabilities and functionality. So um, it, it creates an immediate differentiation for us in the market, i.e., because we're open source, we have large enterprise and government uh, executives that can download our software and immediately uh, ascertain that our capabilities have the depth and breadth of very you know, big, large, let's call it legacy vendors, yet are much more nimble and agile and open source in its deployment of, of great technology. So I would lead it with, with uh, you know, the solution itself uh, makes our name. Okay. And are you, the people that are buying this solution from you, is this something they're buying for the first time, or are you replacing legacy competitors and this is a replacement buy? Yeah, great question. So, you know, it's a little bit of a mix. Um, you know, the identity space and the security space, we are, we are firmly affixed in the security uh, marketplace as a, as a category, if you will. Um, the identity area within that has been around a long time. You know, you have very large legacy vendors uh, that have had identity suites that they brought to market. As I said before, mainly focused at the employee, uh, the, the employee security and perimeter problem. Um, and certainly we do, you know, replace them uh, based on a customer's need. More importantly, though, we augment those platforms. So, you know, when a, a large, large customer is looking at how they want to deploy next generation, you know, again, that important phrase of digital transforming uh, types of interaction with their customer base. And importantly, also aggregate that view to a single customer. Um, and as an example, you know, most large enterprises have multiple instances of identity systems that interface with their customer applications. We solve that problem, and we solve it in a period of like 100 days, not two or three years like many of the legacy vendors. So long answer to your question, but we, we augment typically the environment that's in place today so that we can drive a very fast-to-market, fast-to-value uh, equation for large corporations and government. And then over a period of time, they start to replace 
some of their older technologies, their legacy-based technologies, yeah. with our, our next-generation solutions. Okay, got it. So classic uh, open-source disruption to uh, you know a category that's been around a long time, and it, it, it's either augmentation or overtime replacement. Okay, I think we have an yeah, understanding very of that. Well. Very well said. Okay. All right. So, so now that we know your strategy and what it is, let's discuss how the functional leaders drive execution because this is a problem that a lot of our clients are dealing with right now. And I, I imagine that many that are listening to this podcast, when this gets uh, released into the market, it'll be roughly mid-year. And, uh, you know, at that point, there was a new strategy heading into the year. You know, we kind of took our body blows and we, we know what's working and what's not. And we're struggling with execution or maybe even thinking about the new strategic planning process for the upcoming year. And functional execution here is key. So let's start at the top. So product. So you probably have a CTO or someone who's in charge of product management. He or she understands your strategy because you just articulated it very clearly to me. How does the the leader of the product group drive execution of this strategy and stay in alignment with you? Yeah, so we do have a CTO, and that CTO and, and the office of the CTO here is responsible for you know, let's call it really forward-looking innovation. And uh, what you're asking is a really critical question because it's it's where a lot of both young companies and old companies kind of miss the boat. Um, We we have done a very good job of creating a, a connection between that CTO office of innovation and leadership thinking to our head of engineering and and all of our uh, engineering organization, as well as our product management organization, about how you create uh, these innovative streams that are also tied closely to what your next generation sprints are around the the current uh, engineering and and feature sets that you're building out in, in product as an example for this year, but also importantly, how it's aligned to that innovation thinking coming out of the CTO office about how you create a, let's let's call it a multi-pronged approach that's tightly interwoven between that, that next generational view of innovation thinking coupled with the components and, and, and feature sets that you're delivering today in your current, uh, current uh, uh, you know, products that you're bringing to market. And the ability to create that synergy is kind of the magic. Um, and of course, it comes down to you know, not only a, a common, well-communicated plan across those teams, but also a, a tightly interwoven uh, communication process that's a, that's a weekly and a daily process, not a monthly process, between those organizations about sharing uh, those plans, sharing the trends and the innovation thinking that's going on, but also, importantly, on the other side of the house, on the engineering side, also sharing, uh, you know, where the where and what is being built out and how that's being affected by that innovation. Mm-hmm. Keeping that, that 360 cycle, if you will, uh, tightly interwoven and, uh, you know, well-functioning weekly. Yeah. So let me pick on this a little bit. You know, so our firm is focused on helping CEOs grow their companies, but we do it from the perspective of improvements in sales and marketing capability. And sometimes we see when growth results aren't there, you know, the sales and marketing teams get blamed and sometimes the blame, the blame is appropriate. But other times, they could be highly functioning in sales and marketing teams, but the product just, you know, isn't, it's being built on what the engineers think is cool. 
versus, you know, based on the problems of the target audience. So in your 30 years, if you look back on it, maybe speak more broadly than just Forge Rock, if you had to put a percentage on it, when the revenue number gets missed, is it typically because of poor execution in sales and marketing, or is it typically because there's a product problem? You know, overall, um, if, if there's a real product problem, it, it's a multi-quarter experience uh, that's usually negative. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at, and, and so what I would point it to is if there is um, a tightly connected view of what's relevant to your customers and what's going to be relevant for your customers based on your discussions and you know connections with them, you will build the right products and you will then exercise and, and sell in the right way to get those products sold, frankly, because you have good customer input. So one of the things that we do at Forge Rock is we have uh, a tight cadence with our sales engineering leadership that's in the field. So, you know, call it pre-sales, call it that's engineering, what have you, that are extraordinarily well-versed in our products at a very deep way. You know, identity is a is a complex technology, um, yet you can deploy it in a very, you know, rapid, agile way if you have the right, you know, set of capabilities and the right suite. So our ability to create, as part of that 360 view I just talked about between the CTO office and the engineering, uh, a constant uh, input from our field engineering or sales engineering teams about what's relevant and what's being asked for and, and what are the value drivers from a technology and feature set uh, you know, level that inform those product plans that also inform our views on innovation. Hmm. And that's a, for us, that's a consistent process, much like that dialogue with engineering and CTO, that that field engineering, that sales engineering teams have to have input weekly to the, the CTO office and engineering about what's working. We also, because we're a young company, we also, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, in the range of 300 employees today. Um, we have a constant cadence that involves the uh, sales engineering teams, the field engineering pre-sales folks, with what our feature set and build plan is around product. So as an example, as we readied our product plans for 2015 at the end of 2014, the heads of our field engineering organization had active input over multiple weeks around those feature sets and how they aligned to the dialogues that we've had with customers and how they align to the, the general trending that we're also seeing in the market. So it's, it's very interwoven. Where I've seen it in other companies in the past uh, kind of fall apart is that, that breakage between that communication cycle yeah. where you know, either there's an organizational problem or they're frankly not even reaching into the field for input. Um, and, uh, you know, the age-old problem of the field engineers out there and not being listened to. Yeah. It's a critical problem. Brilliant. Weekly voice of customer coming back from the field, from the sales engineers. It's a great idea. Okay. Yeah, we, gonna... we, actually, we actually call it customer life cycle. So it's not, you know... The, as we, we all chuckle about this, right, in, in, in our industry, but, you know, a sales rep uh, goes in and, and sells a great solution. Uh, a team comes in and implements, um, and, it, you, know, where, you know, where does it end up after that? Yeah. So because, because we're an annual subscription license type of company, that customer value lifecycle is an ongoing relationship uh, with that customer. And, uh, and we never lose that connection to the customer in terms of their health, their success with our products um, and, and that type of dialogue. Okay. 
We're going to take a quick break. Um, I want to make the audience aware of the new SBI magazine, which is a quarterly publication. And the one that just came out is an article with Perry Offer, who is also a CEO, like Mike Ellis, in a fast-growth technology company called Dialogue. And he discusses strategic alignment in that article as well. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed to the magazine and you're wondering how, uh, here's some information for you. Why is it that senior executives, CEOs, CFOs have magazines focused on their success, but sales and marketing leaders don't? General business magazines such as Fortune and Forbes almost never write about sales and marketing issues. At SBI, we know sales and marketing leaders have needs that have gone unmet until now. Introducing the SBI Magazine, the premier magazine dedicated to helping sales and marketing leaders be more successful. Read captivating articles written by professional journalists about how sales and marketing leaders are making the number. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander, CEO and co-founder of SBI, and I'm joined today by Mike Ellis, who is the CEO and president of ForgeRock, a uh, identity management solutions provider. And right before the break, we were having a robust conversation around functional execution of a CEO strategy, and and we were talking about product and the product group and making sure that engineering is building things that the marketplace wants. And there were some really insightful concepts there. Let me pivot the conversation now and kind of move to the next link in the chain, if you will, which to me is marketing. So, Mike, describe for me how now that you have this very well-articulated corporate strategy, you've got this robust, agile product development group, and now you move to the next link, which is marketing. So how does marketing stay connected with and aligned with the strategy and drive the execution of the strategy into the marketplace? Yeah, so so marketing is, you know, kind of the launching pad, if you will, of of how we convey and, and communicate ourselves to the marketplace. And they're also, frankly, um, I, I look at it as um, marketing. Marketing's customer is sales and uh, and the rest of the organization. So marketing never, as most CMOs know, marketing never has an easy job. Um, they have multiple customers and they have. Uh, you know, multiple uh, constituents to, to make happy in some way, shape, or form. So I, I look at marketing as, number one, a really well-functioning, well-oiled marketing organization is doing a couple of really critical things. Number one, everybody uh, knows on this call because it's sales and marketing focused. We're looking for them to create several things around market presence and, and brand awareness. We're looking for marketing to help us create a lead generation engine and machine that really drives uh, the funnel, uh, the pipeline. Um, and, and then lastly, we're also looking for them to also create, uh, you know, a whole series of product marketing capabilities as well that inform our customers in unique and transformative ways about the product. So, you know, again, three, three mm-hmm. core areas of tied to our strategy. Number one, brand awareness and uh, overall, uh, you know, communication skills around who is Ford Rock in our case and, and what's the relevance of that in the market. Number two, the lead generation itself and the lead engine, the machine, the motion, how do we really create demand and, and help our customers understand us. And then thirdly, uh, the whole component around product management, excuse me, product marketing uh, itself. How do you convey in crisp, crisp ways uh, the, the 
differentiation of what our products do for the market. So I'm curious as to the cadence between yourself and your CMO. So it's rare for me to have a conversation with a CEO like this one where they can rattle off the top of their head because, I mean, I didn't give you these questions in advance, but you were able to tell me the three things you want marketing to do for you brand awareness, lead generation, and product marketing. I mean, literally on the spot. That tells me you're communicating very frequently with your CMO. So how do you manage the, the CMO? I mean, what does that cadence look like? So, you know, it, it's very much aligned with those three those three categories that I just described. So, you know, at a, at a very base level. Uh, is it, is it daily, weekly, monthly? Like, literally? like uh, it, it, Daily, yeah. Okay. You know, it's a daily me- measurement of... As an example, the the most specific around numbers is uh, lead gen, right? And, uh, you know, marketing-generated leads and then how that conveys to sales-accepted leads and ultimately what gets entered into your pipeline as as real deal deal opportunities. Um, And and that whole funnel of how you create that. The other components around brand awareness and uh, corporate communications, a little more fuzzy, obviously, but we, we believe we feel that Obviously, market presence, PR, um, our mentions in, in both social media as well as corporate communications and press <clears throat> is extremely important to getting the brand name out there. As a, as a five-year-old company, it's very important to us to, to create you know, a buzz in the market, the, the at-bats, um, if you will, for deals because of awareness of who we are. Yeah. Um, and then the, the third component is easy. It's product product marketing. And so you're looking for transformative messaging around the product itself. Yep. <clears throat> so for the other CEOs of fast-growth software companies, I, I hope it, it wasn't lost on you that Mike is literally looking at the funnel metrics daily and communicating with his CMO. So it's it's not passive involvement with the marketing team, it's active involvement, which is uh, outstanding. Obviously, we advocate for that, but unfortunately, it doesn't happen as often as we would like. All right, let's pivot now to sales. So if we're moving along our our supply chain here, so we started with the corporate strategy, the next link was the product strategy, then we just talked about the marketing strategy, and now we get to the sales guys who have to turn a lead into a customer and get an invoice paid. Tell me how your sales leader stays aligned with your strategy and, quite frankly, the strategy of his other functional partners. And what is your active management of the sales strategy itself? So, um, you know, I'm kind of in a unique situation here. I poured rock in that I'm the CEO, but I'm also, in, in essence, a head of sales. Okay. So, yeah, I have three SVPs. Um, senior vice presidents that report to me that run each of the core regions, Americas, EMEA, and MENA, and uh, APJ, Asia Pacific Japan. So those three senior vice presidents are are very, very well-tuned executives around driving, building culture, selling uh, the process, the programs, the management therein, and and making high-level sales calls themselves at the CXO level. Um, So you know, I've been in sales and marketing all my life and, and CEOs in, 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 in you know, previous companies. And so that mixture uh, is kind of organic for me that mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be involved um, not only in, in the, uh, the weekly, I'll call it, management of, of the pipeline and our progress, but also uh, at a, let's call it evangelistic selling motion with CIOs and CTOs and CEOs 
And, um, uh, you know, as a young company that's, that's driving transformative solutions and software that really change how companies go to market, um, it's a great conversation for me to have as well as my SVPs to have at that C level um, and, uh, and, and, you know, an evangelistic, evangelistic motion that you have to take as well. Yeah. So I'm very tightly tied to that whole sales management motion. Okay. So this decision to to be both the CEO and the head of sales and have basically, you know, very senior executives at the geo level running sales reporting into you, that's uncommon. I, I love it because it gets you closer to the business and gets you closer to the number. But normally when we see the types of investors in a company like the ones that are in your company, you know, they're very focused in building out the leadership team, which includes a chief sales officer. So you guys decided not to do that. Was that just situational? Was it by mistake? Was it deliberate? What was the thought process that went behind that? Yeah, so the the thought process was, um, you know, you, you see a wide variation of um, founder, CEO types in the software marketplace, technology marketplace. And um, most many, many companies start that way, obviously. And then they bring on, um, you know, uh, additional executive management, etc. So, in our case, our co-founder, one of our co-founders is our CTO and runs that whole innovation center for us. Um, and so it's, it's somewhat of a natural for the CEO, me in this case, to also run all of sales. Now, that being said, um, we are getting to the size uh, because of the three large geographic theaters that we are selling into that I will be um, at, at some point in the near future adding a head of global sales. Uh, just because of the scalability yeah. uh, required across those three major, you know, continents. Okay, got it. All right, we're going to take another quick break here, and I want to draw the audience's attention to a recent podcast with Brian Walker, who was the CEO of Herman Miller. I think everyone's familiar with Herman Miller, a couple billion dollar company in the uh, office furniture business, and that podcast talks about strategic alignment. A lot of the stuff we're talking to Mike about today, and it's a different perspective because it's a different industry. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of it, but I would encourage you to subscribe to it. And if you do, then you get these types of podcasts pushed to you. So if you're interested in how to subscribe to the podcast, here's some information for you. You need to make your numbers, and you want to hear how others are making theirs. You go online to find out what your peers are doing, but can only find sales consultants selling you. Sound familiar? Then the SBI podcast is for you. Each week, hear directly from a peer how they are making the numbers. Go to iTunes, search for Sales Benchmark Index Podcast, and subscribe today. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander with SBI. I'm here today with Mike Ellis, CEO and President of ForgeRock, and we're having a conversation around executing the CEO strategy through functional leadership. And we just kind of walked you know, along the uh, functional leadership org chart, if you will. We went from product to marketing to sales. Last up here would be service. So you guys are in a subscription business, so the relationship with the customer never changes, and customer success is critically important to you. Do you have a leader of uh, customer service, customer success, um, and how how do they execute your strategy? So we do. We have a, um, uh, a senior executive that's responsible for global customer success. And he is, uh, he is responsible for, um, all of our support, uh, all of our customer services, um, our university, if you will, training and education for customers as well as partners. 
um, and uh, very very much tied to uh, the success of our business. And because, as I mentioned earlier, we are a, um, a company that bases our commercial transactions on a annual um, license type of subscription. Um, it's extraordinarily inherently important to the value of our company that customer success is paramount and top of mind and top of thinking in terms of how we go to market. So this individual, in our case, uh, is is an extraordinary performer. He is a co-founder and one of the co-founders of the company, mm. and it has extraordinary deep technical knowledge, but also huge customer people skills as well. Um, and has a global purview across uh, all three major continents and regions that we go to market in. Mm-hmm. And and are you as hands on with him as you are with marketing? I mean, are you, are you reviewing things like churn and uh, renewal rates and stuff like that regularly? We we are. Yeah, we uh, we review the the whole churn and renewal uh, aspect of the company. Uh, you know, not daily, but probably weekly. Yep. We uh, we talk about our uh, customer go lives. Um, every every week in terms of how we're servicing them and, and how we want to make sure. Because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the call, much of our focus is on helping customers uh, interact in better ways with their customers. Yeah. It's pretty mission critical to their businesses. And so um, this whole responsibility for uh, global customer success is an extraordinarily big responsibility for us. Um, we take it really seriously, and, and we're lucky that we have a senior executive of that caliber for us. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we, we, I think I got a pretty good understanding as to how you're doing it there. And by the way, it's amazing to me how tight you all are on this, which is great. Let, let me throw a curveball at you. So let's say you wake up tomorrow and you want to make a strategic shift to the company. And then, I don't know, maybe it's enter a new market, uh, you know, bring out a new product, who knows. And then you got to cascade that through your functional leaders and make sure that they all, you know, stay in alignment. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, you're dropping a pebble in the in the pond there and the ripple effect is massive and it causes all this disruption because all of your functional leaders have their own strategies that they're trying to execute through their teams. So when you make a shift, how do you bring everybody along? Yeah, so it's a great question. We um, a couple of things that we do, and I'm sure most companies do, is we have a global management call uh, because we have executives across the the world um, in terms of location, as opposed to just a you know m- most younger software companies are mainly America's based. Um, we do have a global call that's biweekly, and uh, it's hours long, and it's all about each of the core areas of the company and where we're, where we're heading and what we're doing. And so when we are thinking about a, uh, a inflection, a big shift, a transformative change in the strategy, et cetera, we start to actually formulate it um, in those strategy meetings. Uh, and the, these are the top, you know, 10 leaders in the company uh, worldwide for us. So I pull them together biweekly to have strong communications with them around what the thinking is, where we, you know, so introducing a major shift like that would start usually in those those management calls. We do get together every quarter in person uh, for a multi-day session uh, that really reviews and reflects on the business, but also importantly is looking forward and, uh, and, and trying to understand how do we not only, uh, you know, meet the, the, the demands and the needs of the market, but more importantly, how do we actually lead those energies? How do we be the leader in the marketplace around what's happening out there? And uh, so 
you know, for us, it's a prayer, you know, as you can tell, it's a pretty organic uh, movement uh, with yeah. something that we do week in, week out, uh, and allows us to make actually very strategic moves, and we've done it in the past, uh, that started in the formulation in these meetings. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you, you talked earlier about agile development. You know, it strikes me that you're agile at the company level. I mean, you're literally running an agile business, and the amount of communication that you have and how quickly you can pivot from one thing to the next is just is just fantastic. Well, you know, it, it's um, it's the amazing thing of, of next generation software platforms as well as how you management management excuse me manage it, much like you just said. So, yeah. agile management coupled with agile development and engineering is uh, is an amazing amazing opportunity for companies. We're adding feature sets today, even though it's April, to releases that are coming out in the fall. And it's because of that agility, that sprint-based, um, you know, development, agile development focus um, that not only excites us and helps us be really on time and relevant in the marketplace, but to our customers, um, they perceive it as, you know, a, we're serving them in a way that's extraordinarily agile and respect, you know, respectful and relevant to the needs that they have, um, as opposed to, you know, many Many older legacy software companies are reactive and uh, they'll take the need specs that come out of their customer interaction and maybe, just maybe, they'll be informed in a release that comes out two years from now. <laughs> if, um, if they get to know, it. If they even get to it, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back from the break, Mike and I are going to do our best to package this up into an action plan that the listeners can implement. I want to. The purpose of this break is to introduce a new exciting piece of content called SBI TV, and we're releasing uh, on a monthly basis a 30-minute webcast. And this particular show that I'm pointing everybody to is with the president of Mitel, a gentleman by the name of Joe Vitalone. And if you're interested in watching that show and learning more about SBI TV, here's some information for you. Tired of watching highlights from a meaningless game on SportsCenter? Tired of watching a stock picker on CNBC talk about a company you don't care about? Introducing SBI TV, a monthly web TV show focused on what you do care about, making the number. Broadcast on the internet, the show features people just like you, sales and marketing leaders trying to grow their revenues. Watch your peers as they discuss their behind-the-scenes strategies for making the number. Finally, a TV show for busy executives that won't bore you to death. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com TV or go to YouTube and search for Sales Benchmark Index to subscribe. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is our concluding segment with Mike Ellis, CEO and president of Forge Rock. This is Greg Alexander of SBI speaking. And we've had a, a wide-ranging conversation with Mike today all around execution of a CEO strategy. And we talked about each functional leader's responsibility. And what I learned from Mike today was how communication plays such an important role and how being responsive to the needs of the marketplace is is really what dictates the cadence of all this, the pace of change, et cetera. And if you're looking at it from that perspective, keeping everybody aligned is actually an organic process, to use Mike's words, versus this you know, disruptive, waterfall-based, once-in-a-while approach. And I think that's the reason why Forge, Forge Rock has been successful. So, Mike, if you could speak directly to the audience and say, hey, you know, if I was a CEO of a fast-growing software company and I was trying to do the things that you're doing 
and maybe I'm not there yet. What are the two or three things that you would advise him or her to do immediately? Yeah, it's it's a great question and and a broad question. You know, um, you hear this all the time out in the marketplace, and and you read read about it everywhere. But it is the core to success of really great, fast moving, innovative companies. And it comes down to people, and it comes down to culture. And so if you're hiring amazing people that also are in the same uh, in the same boat with you around the strategy of where the firm's going and the, the future uh, vision of where you know the, the firm can be, um, and you build that culture together, so people and culture, um, you know, the, uh, the ability to put in these organic processes are fairly straightforward. Um, and so, you know, like, like so many things, be it sales or, or executive management, uh, et cetera, it comes down to the, the two most basic of basics, and it's hiring the, the best and brightest and great people, but also that those same people have to be the right cultural fit for what you're trying to build as an organization. From that comes the easy processes, frankly, I think, mm-hmm. because they're organic. It's mm-hmm. setting up these communicative meetings uh, in a non-political agenda. Uh, to to create uh, collaborative uh, dialogues across the organization about what's important and the processes in getting there, and uh, and you know as we also read in so many other uh, areas in the world and uh, media, it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. So you know having a culture that allows mistakes to occur, yet knows that that uh, you know that's how innovation also is part of that that uh, that process and that strategy. Um, is is key to you know uh, a non political, highly innovative, highly agile company. So I, it it always starts there. It's the people and it's the culture. Mm-hmm. From that comes building out the processes and the programs uh, that that allow you to really execute on something. Yeah, well said. So this topic, the functional execution of a CEO strategy, is so rich we could go on and on forever. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So let me offer those in the audience who want to learn more about this some resources. So go ahead and visit our site, salesbenchmarkindex.com. Click on the About Us section and then Our Services. And there you'll see a section called Organic Growth, which offers all of our frameworks for driving the functional execution of a CEO strategy. There's quite a bit there. Cherry pick the things that are most important to you, and they're all uh, free and available to you. So hopefully those are helpful. So for those that are listening, want to thank the audience for giving us some of their time. Um, I hope you got as much out of this as I did with Mike. And Mike, on behalf of all of our subscribers, on behalf of everybody here at SBI, thanks a bunch for coming on the show and you know, generously giving of your time and teaching us all a few things. Greg, it was my pleasure, and thank you very much for inviting me and uh, thanking you for drop. Okay, take care. Bye-bye now. This has been the SBI Podcast. For more information on SBI services, case studies, the SBI team and how we work, or to subscribe to our other offerings, please visit us at salesbenchmarkindex.com.